Welcome to the REI Mastermind Network, where host Jack Haas gathers amazing stories from leaders in real estate investing. In each episode, our guests will tell you what they're doing that works, what they've tried that failed, and best of all, you'll learn actionable steps to take your real estate investing to the next level. Now, here's Jack with another value-packed episode. CJ Collio has joined me here tonight. CJ, I really appreciate your time. And I'm going to point everybody to your Instagram page. You can find Collio at, or CJ at WNN Properties. That's WNN Properties. I'll make sure to have the link in the show notes. So find that clickable link there. But CJ, I really appreciate you joining me here tonight. Yeah. Thanks, Jack, for having me. So I told you, we don't typically spend a ton of time on people's background and how you get into real estate investing because most people that tune into my show, they're looking for actionable strategies they can implement right now. So I try to typically try to get to the meat of it. But you have a unique story here regarding how you got into real estate investing. And I'd like us to chat a little bit about that. So could you start there? Sure. So my story starts about, I was just talking to my wife prior to this and we were like, oh man, it's almost 10 years. About nine years ago is where I got this epiphany that real estate or something close to real estate would be an option for me. So prior to that, my profession was a UPS driver. And I, as most of it, it's a very well-paid job, very labor intensive, long hours. And there's this time of year around the winter, Christmas, where we become the Santa Claus in the brown suit. Yeah. So that happened that year where all of a sudden this comfortable, safe, secure job became less desirable. And for me, it was less desirable because this particular Christmas was so busy that I didn't see my family for almost three or four months. It was ridiculous. And I was so angry. I was so frustrated. I was deflated. I didn't, I couldn't see myself doing this for 40 more years. So after this season was over, I approached my wife. I was like, can I quit? And she's like, yeah. What? What? You said, yes, quit. Awesome. She's like, yeah. I have one question for you. How are you going to replace your income? I didn't get that far. So we had further conversations. She understood my frustration. She empathized with me because it was affecting her and, and our kids too. So we had a good conversation around different opportunities that could potentially replace her income. My problem was, I didn't like my job and I still had bills and a lifestyle to pay for. How are we going to replace that? She proposed through her research that a lot of successful and wealthy people have some level of real estate portfolio in their asset. She was suggesting, let's go look into buy and hold cash flowing assets. And for me, I knew nothing about real estate. I'm a UPS driver. I'm a laborer. I had no trade background. It caused me to get all this anxiety and fear. And part of it was pride. I was like, you know what? You go and do real estate. Let me go find something else. Let me go follow the entre entrepreneur bug and start up some businesses, which is what I did. I told my wife, good luck. Tell me when you make money and I will go and find my own way. I went on my own way, pride and all, did some startups. And like most startups, they didn't make it. And I found myself about six, nine months in, nine startups failed, frustration, angry, loss of money, and back into the same position I was that very day that I had that conversation with her. So tail between my legs, walking back to her, apologetic, more supportive and open-minded around what her concept was, I said, let's try this. She was sticking with it. 
six, nine months of research and networking. She was getting the understanding, the philosophies, the strategies down. She was honing it in. And I came along and supported her. So we started going to a lot of events together, networking events. And I was that husband in the back of the room, crossed arms saying, you know what? It, boss lady's over there. Go talk to her. I refused to talk to people. And it was because I was afraid. I was afraid they'd see that I knew nothing, that I was this novice rookie stepping into this room. And it really humbled me because as I continued to support my wife in networking, by simply changing my environment and coming to these events, these masterminds, these meetups, I picked up on some of the language. I started to understand and these things that she was telling me we could do, others were doing it and they are successful at it. So it's not a scam. It's not something that people do to deceive people. This is a real thing. And I got encouraged to be more engaged. And as I became more engaged, we moved quicker as a couple to the point where we took our leap of faith into buying a turnkey property 3,000 miles away. And we bought it. And then fear set back in. Oh my goodness. What did we just do? Is this real? Is this going to actually make us money? Or did we just buy something that was just a picture and it's not even really there? So because of that fear... We sat idle. We just watched it very closely for six months. Fast forward six months, still there, making us some money. This thing actually works. Let's go back at it. And from there, it's like I drank the Kool-Aid. I became the front runner. I became the guy that was in front of the room talking to everybody, looking to network and expand and grow. And in a matter of years, we grew a massive portfolio where me and my wife were both able to walk away from our job. And the funny thing is when you do that, the thing that comes to mind is I saw your quote somewhere is you can invest 10,000 hours in becoming the expert, or you can learn from those who have already made that investment. That's what happened to us. People started coming up to me like, Hey, CJ, how did you do this? How did you go from knowing nothing to financial independence? I want, I want to learn. And it inadvertently, I stepped back into business where mentorship became a real thing. And about five years into mentoring people, we've helped so many others start that initial process of getting over the fear of and getting to the point of being able to build that portfolio of passive income. And we're just super excited to be a part of that. Thanks for sharing that. And I'm curious though, you mentioned you did a few startups. What are some of those startups you tried to do? You got to share right. of them. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So the first one that comes to mind is car detailing, right? My, my mindset was so small around what I was capable of doing physically and personally. That's all I reverted to. So car detailing was something I grew up doing with my father. I understood how I love taking care of my car. Hey, I like washing my car. Let me go wash others. And that didn't pan out. There's a lot more to it. And second one was yard work, landscaping. I come from a background of farmers. They yard work was part of my more, my chores as a child. That didn't work. I tried to go into sales around car accessories. That was looking good until I realized I can't keep up when China produces a low, cheaper product and just uh, undercuts me and I'm out. So those were like the three big ones that I put a lot of time and energy into that just failed very quickly. You know, what I think is interesting there is that you said you it was part of your mindset, right? The concept that these businesses were achievable for you in your mind for you to give them a try, but real estate was something that that was elusive. It, was it yes. because that it was just the lack of knowing anything about it? What was your apprehension that might have been there? Yeah. So when we revisit this, me and my wife who, and share this story, we went into deeper conversation. And the thing that I found was 
was more of a resentment that it wasn't my idea, that it was hers. I didn't think of it. And that whole pride aspect that I shared where I'm the man of the household, I should be taking charge. I, it was very challenging because it did put a strain on a relationship when I wouldn't support that. When I went off into doing these things, these are my ideas. That's why I wanted to do. It was all about me. I failed to acknowledge the support system I had in place. My wife wanted me out of my job. She wanted to support me and I didn't acknowledge that. So initially that's where my mind shifted. It was about her being wrong and me being right. Once I got over that, we became an unstoppable team. So you both working together in this? Yes. We have our unique roles that we play and we're like yin and yang is what people call it. We're polar opposites, but we're great at what we do. (laughs) And what does she handle versus what do you handle? So I'm more of the front and acquisitions and speaking and networking. That, that's my forte. I love to socialize. I like to conversate. I like to talk with people and create opportunities around visions. My wife is more of a stabilizer or analytical person in the background. So she's behind the scenes. You rarely see her out and about. She does all the bookkeeping. She does all the taxes, the business side of things. She handles that area, the area that is not too exciting for me to take care of. And that's what I think is, that's especially interesting because I typically have found that she would be the one that would have taken a lot longer to convince regarding this, somebody who's more analytical and taken their time into getting into a new venture like real estate investing. Yeah, she got into it real quick. I, I like to credit a lot of her reading early on. She was always reading Rich Dad and other real estate investing. She just had this interest in real estate from before we even got married. And it was something that she just looked at, listened to podcasts on and audibles and just fed herself with it. So she had a head start and she was primed and ready when I brought up the question. You said you're, you're come from farmers. Your family are still farming today? No. So my grandfather had a pig farm back in Hawaii and I would spend some of my childhood time there doing some work. My father was a laborer there at some part of his life. And we would spend a lot of time at the farm. And that's where that landscaping idea came from. I knew how to cut grass and bag it. (laughs) Grass is always growing. It always needs to be cut. Should be a lucrative business. It was not. So what did your friends and family think of you getting into real estate investing? Yeah, initially they thought I was crazy. They thought this is a scam. (laughs) They thought this is good. You're making the biggest mistake. Having a job like a UPS profession where it's a union job, paid good benefits, good retirement, that you're bucking the system in their eyes. Like, why are you giving that up? And I'm like, that's limiting me to my capabilities by staying in this role. So initially they were against it. And the funny thing is I got the opportunity of being challenged by really close family members, borderline disowning me when I presented to them what we're doing and how we're moving along and we're moving some progress. They're like, you keep this up, we don't want to be associated with you. Fast forward three years later, these exact same family members came back and we were able to assist them to get to financial independence in the sense of retiring earlier. So for me, sticking true to my why and being persistent in what I do got them to believe into what I knew at that time will work. And I'm so grateful and they're so grateful. They're my biggest supporters now because they see what it can do. And I'm so glad that they trusted me enough to come back a few years later and allow me to help them to get to that financial independence. So you got some family members who have joined the train now. 
I'm wanting to get every founding member I can on board. When, once you drink this Kool-Aid and you're on this side of the track, you're just like, why didn't I learn this in school? Why didn't I learn mm-hmm. this earlier in life? And just having that option. That's all I present to my family is it's just an option. It's an alternative to what you're doing. If you are interested, let's talk. And if you're not, I can support you in whatever you're pursuing. It sounds like that between your friends and family and getting through that mindset of adopting a suggestion that your wife made regarding getting into real estate, has this been something to get a hold of, just being a bit comfortable with the uncomfortable? Yes, that is something that we embody very deeply. Once I understood that, that's how I know I I get to grow. When I feel comfortable, it's time for me to push. And I like to do the box analogy where I get comfortable in my box. It's time to to increase it or step out of it. And stepping out of it produces infinite of opportunities that I was limiting to by staying in my box. Just to remind everybody, you can find CJ at his Instagram page, WN Properties. And I'll make sure to have that link in the show notes. And hey, if you found have found some value so far, Do us a quick favor and share it with a friend that might find some value in this episode. CJ, what is your strategies right now? What are you focused on? Is it fix and flipping, wholesaling? What are you doing right now? Our strategy from the get-go was cash flow and buy and hold. So we were always looking for that stream of income that can replace my W-2s income. And when we found a system that worked well, we followed it through and enhanced on it and became experts in. And particularly in this buy and hold strategy, I've adopted into the Burr strategy, the buy, rehab, rent, refinance, and repeat. And I did a lot of that to scale my portfolio on the single family and the small multifamily side. And when we got to a point of having a large portfolio, I noticed my wife was getting overwhelmed. And the cool thing is, when you get really good at something, you can start to see other areas you can take it and implement it that maybe you've never tried before. And the confidence is backed by the experience. So with that experience in the residential space, we found success now in commercial. We've scaled into commercial real estate investing in a form of retail, strip mall, office space, medical space. And we implement the same strategy, but now on a larger scale. With that, you said your wife has gotten a little overwhelmed. Have you had to expand your team? Yes, we've expanded our team and we adjusted our portfolio. So having a lot of doors on a single family side, it's a lot of one-year leases, a lot of tenants, termites, and toilets to deal with, a lot of property management headaches. And we found by transitioning or taking some of those, we like to use the monopoly analogy, those greenhouses and trading in for the right hotel. So we started taking apart some of our portfolio and 1031ing them into a larger and a larger capital asset in the commercial space. And it basically alleviates those short leases and the possibilities of tenants, termites, and toilets and dealing with more of a corporation or business front that is a lot more stable and you, you can project out a lot longer, five, seven, 10, 15 year leases. And it's that to me helped subside the pressure she was feeling when we amassed our portfolio. Sure. So you're getting into commercial real estate or you're, you're well-rooted in that at this point. It sounds like, are you focused on strip malls and, and office spaces? Like what are, what is your, what does that look like right now? Yeah, we have a little bit of everything. So strip malls, office, medical, we have a government building. We have 
a mixed use space where there's office on the floor and then there's some multifamily on the upper three floors. We have a wide array of commercial and it's really back to the numbers. And in commercial, I like it because it's just math. It's a lot to do with math. And if you could just calculate and pen it out and it works for you, it's a yes or no. And it's simpler for me to move forward on certain assets with less emotion because it's not that it needs to be the prettiest building on the block. It needs to be the strongest performing building on the block. And then I would be interested versus the residential. Everybody wants that HGTV look like, oh, flip this house and beautiful and curb appeal and a lot of money that may not return to you quickly. What does my, that seem to be another mindset change then? You're going from single family home, something to commercial. What was some of the things that you had to, mental hurdles you had to go through? Yeah. So the mental hurdles was, how do I do this with businesses and commercial entities? It's just intimidating. Some of the technical sides of things like leases are now completely different than what maybe in a residential, it's a cookie cutter lease that you could use. In, in the commercial space, it's usually drafted up by some legal person and they don't look alike. And you get to learn these things. And for me, it's my wife gets to learn these things. And I focus in on the acquisition. So I like doing the negotiations and the acquiring of it. Another aspect that was huge was knowing the right team members. In residential, I believe they like to use the core four, right? The agent, your property manager, your contractor, and your lender. That's your core four in residential. In the commercial space, you need that and some because there could be three different licensed agents that operate in acquisition, managing, and leasing of a commercial space. One for acquisition, one for management, and one for leasing the space. Not knowing that was very uncomfortable in the beginning, thinking that I could get one agent to service everything. And we found through that experience, that lesson learned that it's not good to necessarily work with somebody who can do a little bit of everything. I'd rather work with the expert in acquisition than have it passed over to the expert in management and then have that passed over to the expert in leasing up. And stuff like that was the big shift for us realizing we got to create new networks and new teams and level up our people we surrounded ourselves with in business. You've mentioned a quite a bit of time, quite a few times here now regarding the importance of networking. And that's one of your strengths. Have you found any tactics or strategies that you've implemented that have made that part of the process easier? For me, when one of our biggest shifts in our network presence, being that we were 3,000 miles away from our network and we didn't physically go there till four years later, was leveraging social media and getting into the spaces of these free REI meetup groups or mastermind groups and requesting to be a part of them and becoming that person that's noticeable, putting yourself out there. Hey, I'm, a, I'm an investor in this market. I'm looking to connect with agents, lenders, property management, loan officers, and just building your list. Everybody talks about buyer's list and stuff for wholesaling and flipping. You need your own list of team members you can call when you need something and also be able to present yourself in a manner that they take you serious because it's very easy for people to play a role on social media and not be real. So what I found worked was getting on the phone with these guys quickly. Hey, this is CJ Collier with WM Properties. I'm a real investor. My portfolio is at this size right now. I'm looking to expand. Would you be interested in working with somebody I thought of state? Yes. Great. Further conversation. No, I respect that. I wish you the best of luck. Keep me in mind if you ever change and allow it to be organic. 
for me, a lot of the success in the team building was organic, not trying to pretend to be successful, just going with real. I am where I'm at right now. Are you willing to work with me? And some people, it took time. They didn't believe me. That's fine. I'll keep in touch. Yeah. That goes against the whole concept of fake it till you make it. Yeah. We hear that actually quite a bit. Yeah. And I personally, I disagree with that. I'd rather be real and, and share with people where here's where I'm at. And the big difference I found through my network that gave me feedback around this years later was the fact I followed through with my word. So when I said I was going to do a deal and they presented it to me, I found a way to make the deal happen. It wasn't always the greatest deal. And I knew it's what was needed to build that trust. A lot of in a lot of this business is around trust. Do you have trust with somebody? And for me, I get to give trust first, and then it helps them to lower the, the, their defenses and be more willing to give it back to me. I learned that from a John Maxwell leadership book, that leaders get to give trust to get trust. And once I started in, implementing that in my network, people started to give me more chance. I'd see it through and I'd explain to him, this is probably not the best deal for me. However, I want you to understand I'm real. I'm going to do deals. Let's get this one done and let me show you why I need it tweaked differently for the next. And just having that open conversation of what works for me and I want you to be successful too. We're on this thing together. Let's go and make some money. Earlier too, going back to the conversation about you drawing these other startups and then moving to real estate. One of the other things would be getting your mindset around the fact that you're, you're to a certain extent, you're stopping that trading your time for money. Can you talk a little bit about that process and what you did to overcome that mindset change? Oh man, trading time for money, being in a profession that I was averaging 50 plus hours a week working, it was ingrained in me that if I'm not actively working for 50 hours, I don't deserve the income. And a lot of the shifts started to change when I became financially independent. I, I struggled with it initially for the first six months or so where it's like I had to be busy. And then I learned the difference between busy and productive. When I'm productive, I can get the return of what I was doing in 50 hours in a matter of a few, and I get to be satisfied with that. And it's not always about actively being on the goal that produces that return and trading time for money. That's what you're trained for in the job. And it really took time for me to break that. And what helped was having somebody mentor me around my mindset. Hey, CJ, you're filling your time up with stuff. Does this stuff support your vision and goals? No, but I feel productive. Are you productive? Oh, you're right. I'm busy. Like just having that person that's been there before and be that sounding board and hold me accountable and ask those really pointed questions that make you go, Ooh, yeah, you're right. I am just being busy. Got me to shift my thinking around that. So now productivity is what matters more than the amount of items or tasks I'm taking care of on a day-to-day -day basis, which freed up or gave back the time that I was looking for initially to be able to spend with my family. You've mentioned, now you've mentioned a mentor and you've read number of, you've mentioned a number of books and a few other things is, do you find maintaining this, is that a constant thing you have to be working on or is it, have you, or maybe you just naturally now in this proper mindset to just keep advancing? 
That's a great question, Jack. And my response would be is I'm always looking to learn and grow. It's something I, I, it's a journey and I'm not looking to arrive at a destination. There's opportunity for me to improve on everything I do. Even if I'm an expert in it, I get to go back and sift through how could I do it just a little bit better. And I think of Warren Buffett's statement, the best investment you can make is in yourself. And I'm always looking to improve myself at some level or caliber in many facets of life. And it's not just in business. Sometimes it's in, in marriage or parenting or relationship. It, you, you get to learn to invest in all areas, not just the financial side. And I'm always wanting more because I know I can be a little bit better. Yeah, you've described mentorship and some of these other things to get some help as an investment. I think for most people, it's seen as an expense. And I was hoping that you were going to say exactly what you just did is the concept that we need to see this as an investment. In fact, in many, in some situations, you can even directly point to that ROI, just like any other investment that we do in real estate. I couldn't agree with you more. I think any kind of activity like that, I think people, if they would actually pencil it out, the ROI is much higher than the, what we would typically even see in a real estate or a single property. Yes, you're right. I agree. So one last time, I'm going to point everybody to your Instagram page, WN Properties. You can take a look and see what CJ and team are up to there. But CJ, I warned you, I have some ending rapid fire questions to throw at you and see what you answer, how you answer. Okay, I'm ready. Here's your chance to bust a real estate investing myth. What's one of those myths that's just driving you, driven you crazy over the years? You need to have a real estate agent's license to do real estate investing. That's a good one. I've heard that quite a bit. In fact, I've actually think in the end, it actually causes more problems than it's worth. I agree. That could be a lot of liability. (laughs) Exactly. What book would you recommend or what are you reading right now? One thing, Gary Keller, it really helped me phone in on my vision and what I really want and stay tried and true to it. We like to use the acronym FOCUS as an acronym, follow one course until successful. That's awesome. I actually really like that book too. And it was the one, it was the book, the one book that really changed the way I tackle things on a day-to-day basis. Because when I start my day now, I even look to see what is the one item on my task list that could free up 80% of my day exactly. or could be the, my biggest headache. And I try to get that one out of the way first. It's really changed the way I just even get certain things done. What is your biggest business mistake you've made and what did you learn from it? Trusting and not verifying. And what I mean by that is when you get into this networking space, like I do, you get a lot of referrals and referrals are great. They don't always pan out the way that the referrer is relationship wise to the referee. And for me, it's the verification. You get to accept that with a higher level of trust. And I still want to get others' opinions around things. That must be especially important to you. You've mentioned before that you are 3000 miles away from the place you invest in. We never did chat about that. Where do you invest and where do you live? Yeah, I'm in the Midwest and we were in Hawaii when we started. We just relocated to Reno, Nevada. So we're a lot closer, still about 
thousand miles or so from our market in the Midwest. And yeah, trusting and verifying is very crucial when you don't get to physically handshake and meet team members. So if you could go back into time and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that be? He alluded to it earlier about seeing the value in mentorship. I would invest in a mentor who is doing what I want to do and has what I want to have. Because I could avoid a lot of the early elementary mistakes that cost me a ton of money off of pure just not knowing what you don't know. It's new. So mentoring, getting a mentor. Okay. You have 60 seconds or less. You're going to give everybody one piece of advice that they can implement today. What would it be? Yeah. My piece of advice to everybody today is to get out there, get into the space. Real estate's such a large pie. You can do so many things in real estate. Go and find a networking space and learn about it. Find out the different facets. What I do is just a small sliver on a big pie. You might find other things out there that you would have never thought or dreamt, imagined you could do, but others are doing it. And like Jack says, you can put in the 10,000 hours to be the expert, or you can go and find those who have already made that investment. And that's where it starts for, for most is in a networking space. Find those spaces and put yourself out there. Yeah. I, and I can't stress that enough. And CJ, have you, you've been in a variety of roles here now in different jobs. I frankly have yet to find another area of work where you'll find probably some of the most approachable people. It's almost, there's always competition, but I would say there's more friendly competition than anything else. The person that you might, that might, you might lose out to on, on purchasing a property one day is the same person that you'll sell a wholesale deal to the next day or they'll be the first ones to celebrate with you if you are the one who wins. It's really a cool scenario there. Everybody, for the most part, is very approachable and very supportive. Yeah, I agree with that. It's where real estate's a vehicle. We're in the business of working and dealing with people. So it's a people thing. And the, the guys and gals that know that are those exact people you're talking about that are approachable. They know the real estate comes collaboration, cooperation are the C's that we embody. And when you're with the right people, they see that as the opportunity because you have something that I may not have and I have something you may not have. And how can we get this to be a win-win for each other? Yeah. And it's all about that. We could talk about this as well, but this concept of having an abundance mindset, you just alluded to that. If you don't get every, you're not going to get every deal. But there's one on its heels, something else will come. It's not like there's not enough to go around. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot out there. You just, there he is. Did I freeze? Just briefly there. But to see, and I can edit that piece out, so no worries. CJ, is there a question or concept you wish we would have covered here today? Yeah, leveraging relationships around other people's money, PM. We still have some time. What, how, what would you like to add there? Yeah. Other people might, other people's money is a great vehicle for those who find themselves having none. How do you get yourself in a position to be able to present opportunity to those who may be cash heavy, but not have the team or knowledge or understanding or experience in real estate and creating that beautiful synergy where you can serve them while getting yours, OPM, other people's money. It was a beautiful tool that got us to scale and scale quickly. Yeah. It, 
when you're talking about OPM, how have you, what are some of the best strategies there? I, you seem to be very open and transparent and clear in your communication. Just talking to you here, I'm guessing that's a very similar situation. That, that whole concept of fake it till you make it, that's where it can get you into trouble. Yeah. And one thing that I found work for me is I start with my inner circle first, work with the people that I know and trust and start having those conversations. And the main reason why I believe that's a good starting point. And for me, what worked was they gave me the most honest feedback. You're coming across like a salesman. You're only interested in what's in it for you. The things you don't want to hear, family and friends will tell you bluntly because they care about you. And that's what I needed. Because then I was like, oh man, that's not my intent. I want, I have opportunity here. You can benefit from it and I could benefit from it. Here's how it could look. And once I started shifting it to what's in it for them, they automatically wanted to be in it because they knew it'd benefit me. And it was a big game changer to have that experience of feedback on you are coming across as a fake it to you, you make it. You are coming across as that sales car salesman I don't like. And that's actually goes back to it's important sometimes because I've actually found and it could be environment and it could be your friends and family, those individuals that you've allowed to surround you. And I don't know if my friends and family would be that direct with me. So that's why you get a mentor or somebody involved. Even if you have to pay them, they're going to be blunt and direct with you. There's some value there. Yeah. And we got some good feedback from our networking events when we would talk with other investors because that's a good spot to get practice in too. They're doing it. They're looking for it. And they're open to sharing with you what's working for them that you may have not even thought of. So that's that goes back to collaboration, right? Those friendly people that you can approach. So one last time, check out Instagram, WNN Properties. I'll make sure to have that link in the show notes. But CJ, this was a great conversation. I hope you come back again sometime. Yeah, thanks, Jack. This is a blast. Have you learned at least one actionable step to incorporate into your real estate investing? If so, please consider returning some of that value by leaving a positive review, subscribing to our YouTube channel, or joining our growing network on Facebook and Twitter. You can find links to all of our social media accounts in the show notes. See you next time.